0: off in the
1: believe that today that God's going to do His part. And you're going to do your part. You're going to be that sacrifice and God's going to set your life on fire. Come on, He's going to provide the Spirit to live in you today. But you've got to open up your heart today. If that's your desire, just raise up your hands with us and say, fill me up, God. Up God. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your power, God. Fill me with your freedom, God. Fill me, Jesus. How many want to be filled in this house this morning? Just sing it out. Fill me up. a moment before we sing this one more time. God is so good. How many feel His presence right now? But I want to tell you as much as we feel His presence right now, there is more. And I know some of you are noobs. You're newbies. You are new at this. So I'm going to help you right now just dive down deep. Hey, look at your neighbor and just go, we're going to dive down deep. (laughs) this is what we're going to do if we could just pull it down just a minute I want to just show you what God is doing in this room right now I want to just show you you see some churches teach that the priest has to do everything for you that the pastor has to do everything for you that's what some churches teach but Christianity the Bible what it teaches is that every person is a priest unto God Every individual is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So every one of you is a temple and a priest unto God. All they're doing up here is just trying to help you to go to that place of worship and intimacy. But you have the right to go by yourself. And I know sometimes we feel like, you know, I don't sing like the worship leader. I don't feel comfortable raising my hands. You know, this is awkward for me. And you're looking at God as more as like a religion. Like you're trying to do something for a religion. Like it's not good enough for a religion. But worship is to the person of God. And the person of God loves you. You are good enough for Him. Can I hear an amen? You are good enough for him. He loves you. And so this is a relationship right now. No cameras pointed at you. This is not the, you know, the, uh, the Tabernacle Choir of Metro Praise and Mass Choir. This is not about performance. And it's not about like, oh, what does my neighbor think? Or how do I fit into this right now? What am I doing with my hands and close my eyes? No, if you believe in God, you are in the right place. What this song is simply just saying, if we could just put up the lyrics there, what this song is simply saying is a heart cry to God. Just put up the verse for me, please. I want you to hear this, and I want you to put it in your own words. How would you say this? You provide the fire, I'll be the sacrifice. So what we're saying there is that God is going to set your life on fire but you've got to give it to them so in the old testament they would kill animals they would put it on an altar and then they would set it on fire for god and they would say god we killed this animal for you and he actually commanded he said kill an animal set it on fire and then i know you mean business because like animals were their livestock and it's like how they made money so it'd be like if you mean business take your lexus set it on fire and worship me okay are you guys tracking with me Like, like give me something that means something to you and then just burn it up for me. So it looks like a waste to everybody else, but to me it's a sacrifice. Okay. And so what what we're saying is, God, I'm going to give you my life as that sacrifice. I'm going to provide that for you today, but you provide the fire. So however you would say that in your own words, I want you to be able to do that. And then the next part, it says you provide the spirit and I will open up inside. What this is saying is we're all empty, we're all dry, we're all thirsting for more. We want more hope, more peace, more love. I mean, I just had a beautiful baby, our third child, baby Lucas, and all the love that I feel in my family, in my house is still not enough for my thirsty soul. Children aren't enough to fill my soul. Are you listening to me? It's not. Children aren't enough to fill your soul. A happy marriage, a job, an education. There's always a next thing, a next thing. And before you know it, you're 80 years old in the retirement saying, if I could just win the backhamming game, I'll be happy today. And you're not realizing it's just all fleeting from you. It's just fleeting. It's like trying to grab a cloud. You can't do it. And so what we need to do is start in the present right now and say, God, just fill me up. Satisfy my life right now. Satisfy me in a way that not a man, a woman, a child, a family, a child, nothing can satisfy. And when we get to this chorus, fill me up. It's just God, fill me up with everything that you desire, everything that I need, every good thing that I need in my life today. Just fill me up. So we're going to sing this again. And last week we talked about how to worship, and I know many of you are going there and you're pros, but I just wanted to get everybody on the same page and help us go deeper because there is something special in the next few moments for all of us. It's not you trying to impress me or trying to sing with Adam in the band. It's just you. Let God set your life on fire. Let God fill you up today. Amen? So let's just raise up our hands as an act of surrender. And those words, before we sing those words, put it in your words. What do you want God to change in your life today? What do you want to offer up to Him in your life so He can be the fire What what do you want Him to fill you up with today? Come on, you be specific. You talk to Him. Maybe you need some joy. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you need to overcome depression, stress, worry. Maybe there's a healing you're seeking for, a peace in your life. Just make it personal. Because when we sing these words, if it doesn't mean anything to your heart, it's just another concert. But if it means something in your heart today, God is going to show up. You're the priest of your life. You're the gatekeeper of your soul. It's up to you whether you open it up today. Come on, we're going to sing it again. You provide. And as we do now, let's put our words together with our hearts in this congregation and worship Him one more time today. You provide. Yes, God. Woo! The sacrifice oh I'm laying at your altar today God oh you provide what I need God and I will one more time come on you provide the fire just with your hand over your heart fill me up God the deepest parts of me fill me up God hallelujah would you hold somebody's hand next to you now we're just going to pray as a family in this house we sense his love here filling many let's just hold hands as a family Lord we thank you today that you brought us here to this church to this special place God with our friends and our family, to fill us up. (laughs) We're so happy, God, you love us, that you won't let our tank remain on half full or quarter full. You just love to fill us up, cap us off, and overflow us. So, Lord, I pray every person here today will feel your love. Every individual will hear your word today. You'll bless them and their family, and you will use them, God, to be a blessing in this city, to bring about change, God, to make this place a better place for everybody, Lord, that we would all love you and love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can I hear you saying amen? Amen. Can you bless them today? Come on, say amen one more time. Amen and amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. Would you greet three people before you sit down and be this cool, huh? awesome welcoming video? Welcome to Bentro Place, greet three or four people. Come on, God is good. Thank you This is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice in it and be glad like the Bible says I was glad when they said unto me I will go into the house of the Lord how many were glad when somebody said let's get up and go to church this morning amen they used to say I'd rather be in church than in the hospital or somewhere like that I would rather be in church than anywhere else in this world because here I learn to love and to be loved here I get the principles of success that guide me in those other places and as Jesus said, if you don't build your house upon his rock, upon his word, when the storms of life come, your life is going to sink into the sand. Everybody say the rock. Amen. So we've come here to build our lives on Jesus Christ. want to welcome you. This is our Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. How many have been enjoying the one big service we've been doing at 10? Has anybody had some fun here? Amen. We went to one service. I see it being successful. It's filling up. We have just a couple quick announcements about that. Uh, One of the things is double parking is not cool anymore. So uh, double parking is not cool. So look at your neighbor and say, it ain't cool. Okay, so now we put... We put little cones to block off the double, you know, to block off the parking lot once it's full. So please, once you see the cones there, don't move them. Uh, Somebody told me last week that we put out the cones and then somebody moved them. Okay, the cones basically mean don't come in. And that's okay because we're Chicagoans. We know how to park on the street. Come on, somebody go woo woo. Amen. And there's plenty of off-street parking. There's no real permit parking back there or over this way. So I know it's uh, worth the walk and sometimes it's worth, you know, a drive for you. But a church alive is worth the drive. Can I hear an amen? We've got a brother coming all the way from Fox River area by Lake Zurich. Come on, that's about 45 minutes to an hour. Let's give it up for Ishmael and his family because a church alive is worth the drive, baby amen and then just other quick announcements we always have free snacks and and, uh, computer internet uh, computer labs in the back there and then a couch and a living room setting you can always go back there and fellowship and tables and we usually have something free back there juices or snacks of some kind it's just that we don't ask that you would congregate between the doorway to the cafe and the hallway because then people can't move out so if you want to fellowship in the cafe just just kind of move out the doorway to allow people to come in can i hear an amen And I believe with what we're doing right here, we can keep growing and growing and growing. We can put 50 more chairs in here. We can do expansion into the student center for a overflow seating. We feel that having one main service is the best way for us now because it allows us to have pre-service prayer. It allows everybody to meet each other. And then it allows us to go at the end without a hindrance of other services needing to start. We can have prayer time at the end. And so can we just hear an amen for all of that? Thank you. And then Encounter Night is every Wednesday at 7 p.m., Wednesday prayer meeting for the adult year, Encountering God. And then Royal Rangers and Impact uh, in the back, which is like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus. If you're interested in that, we have information in the back for you. You can get some of that. So Wednesdays are good. And then Elevate. Amen. Elevator's doing awesome on Friday nights. Pastor Adam, the one and only uh, leading it up. Tell us what's going on for the month of May, my brother.
2: For the month of May, we really haven't decided a year. Yet. <laughs> but we are planning because school is coming out. So we want you to keep on coming out. If the 101, I just want to show the service, uh, Sunday service. If you are in Elevate Discipleship 101 or 201, please stand. Come on, give it up. These are the lives that are being impacted and changed. And so we're just encouraged to see them go out and, and just live their life for Jesus. I mean, you guys can see it. And so when we think about when we come up and, you know, have opportunities to share this morning, can you keep them in prayer? Because uh, we want a lot of things to happen in their lives. And we want to do a lot of fun things. Uh, but it doesn't happen on its own. It just it takes the entire church and, and people loving on them and praying for them. But we got some awesome things coming on up. If you want more information, we have more flyers in the back for you guys.
1: Uh, amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Adam on the fly. We just, we, we just need to have a little team meeting right here. Whenever you're up here, you're going to talk about the youth group. Amen. So he's awesome. What I love about Pastor Adam is that he just played that off that group. It was great. And these young people are really what's up right now, the discipleship. And we're going to be talking about that for the adults today, for everybody. So let's give it up one more time for Elevate and the discipleship. Amen. I love it. God is doing some great things We want to just start promoting some uh, things going on Every last Wednesday of the month So every month there is a last Wednesday That last Wednesday will always be a family night So this family night at the end of May Is going to be movie night May 30th And then the first Wednesday of every month And I don't know if we have the flyer right here Which is this Wednesday coming up Is a healing night on Wednesday So gentlemen we can always put that up as well Just to let you know good things going on Wednesdays And then here's something that I'm really excited about The Bodhi Everybody go, Come on, this is where we get down, man. We love to get out there in the nitty-gritty. We love Boriqua Fest. This is our time to shine. Some of you are not able to go on mission trips to other countries. We want you to make Chicago your mission trip to Humble Park. And when I came to this city seven years ago, people told me, oh, don't go to Boricua Fest. It's crazy. You know, I'm Puerto Rican. I don't even go. And I went out there anyways, okay? And we put up a Facebook this time to go. Do you know that another Puerto Rican from another church went on the Facebook event page and said, I ain't going out there. Those people are crazy. And then he put under, you can go to the comment and see it. And then underneath the comment, then he goes, and by the way, I'm Puerto Rican too. If I could just have a Bible to slap him upside the head with, if I could just say, brother, stand right here and look the other way. If we don't reach out to these people, who is going to touch these, you know, the Boricuas, the Borinquens. you know, who's going to touch their lives? I want to be out there. If this gringo is going to be out there, y'all better be out there, Amen and then people are like well i'm guatemalan i'm mexican it don't matter y'all speak spanish anyways amen i don't even speak any spanish so you come on out there with your guatemalan costa rican dominican self, amen and you love on them and we all love on them red white black and purple they're all precious in His sight. so here's the reason why we're talking about this way ahead of time is because we want you to get days off of work The Thursday is going to be the evening. We're going to meet here at 5 o'clock, and we're going to go out in the evening. We're going to get you guys prepared for the weekend. Then uh, Friday, then we're going to meet at 9 in the morning, and then go all the way out uh, out there all the way till 7. We're going to have lunch out there. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to do the same thing Saturday. I have all the information on the Facebook page. Please check it out. If you have any questions, you can see Berto or Jared uh, Walker. He's in charge. Jared, would you raise your hand? Let's give it up for Jared. He's in charge. Amen the two gringos, but you know what? He's married to a Latina, you know what I'm saying? So he's got a little edge on me there. But here's the deal. We want everybody to be there. We're giving you plenty of time to set aside your calendar. What do we do out there? We give them free arroz con candules. I mean, who can turn that down? And we've got some Boricua mamas in here that can cook it like nobody's business. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it is good. Make your liver quiver. Make you slap your mama. Come on. It is going to be good. And, And we bring it out there by the big old potfuls. And then we preach the gospel. We bring out all of our sound systems. We have live praise and worship out there, it's just a fun and exciting time face painting for the children it's something that this community can say Metro Praise is making a difference, you know sometimes people don't know what a church is about or what a church is doing but that is one of those things where people go if Metro Praise wasn't here, nobody would be here, you know if Metro Praise wasn't here, where would happen You know, to this corner, we're on North in California some of you might have even saw us out there when you were partying or hanging out with your family you might remember us, but well, that's us and we're going to be there again this year. So I want to ask you to come with your family. i want to bring my children out there. It is safe. We do have security. There's police out there. There's nothing to be afraid of. Come on. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. There's nothing to be afraid of. And this is the vision of Metro Praise. You're getting it in our announcements. We're here to love God and love people. Can I hear you say, love God? Can I hear you say, love people? Thank you. Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That is what Metro Praise is here to do. That is our focus. That is our vision. We want to then have a strategy. Everybody go, strategy. Thank you. We want to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out to change the world with the cross. And we think the best way in this church to connect to the cross is through life groups, meeting all throughout the week. Does anybody get life at life groups? Come on. Life groups are home Bible studies of food, fun, and fellowship where you get together with people during the week to share life together. I've been hearing so many testimonies from these life groups. They meet all during the week. You can find a home that is close to you and a convenient schedule. By you doing this, you're connecting. Everybody say connect. Thank you. And then mentor while you're in that life group. You can say, will somebody raise me up to be a disciple? And you can start the 101, one-on-one. Do you know that our church right now has about 50 people individually going through this book right now with youth and adults? That means there are 50 individual hours throughout every week at Metro Praise when somebody's being discipled. Isn't that precious? Do you know that there's 16 individual hours during the week at Metro Praise where people are street witnessing and going door to door into the parks and communities? You put that together, there is over 80, almost 70 hours of evangelism and discipleship going on -on one-on-one in this city. And so we ask you to join this. Just go to the life group and say, hey, I wanna start to be discipled. And then when you graduate that, They'll put you in the 201, which is a class that meets Sunday mornings. And this is where God is raising up the radical disciples to change the world, to be roof breakers, history makers. Amen. And everybody go, hayumkin hey, Amen. How you can, we're going to send you out like a, like a ball of fire. Amen. Cause once you know the cross, you can, you've been mentored with the cross. We're going to send you out with the cross to change the world because we believe God has called us to have a hundred thousand disciples here with 50 churches in 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, can you pump your fist and say, let's do it. Come on, somebody. God is showing up in this house. want to give you an update. We're supporting right now over 300 churches around the world that use our books, use our materials. Pakistan, India, Nigeria, Nepal, the Philippines. Right now. They are all using our materials. I meet with them every week. And the testimonies that I'm hearing from them are tremendous. And the greatest thing that I'm hearing right now is that they want more of these materials. So when you give to missions and you circle missions, you're enabling us to give materials to the nations. We're about ready to send about $600 to Pakistan so that these books, along with our Islam book, because how many know they need a book on Islam in Pakistan? Our book that I wrote is called Helping Muslims see Christ in Christianity, which, by the way, reminds me. I teach an apologetic class in Bible college. This Thursday at seven, we have a New York Times bestseller uh, author, Robert Spencer. Some of you know of him from Fox News. He's going to be here debating a Muslim, open to the whole city, on does Islam teach violence. So I always try to keep my heart into the Muslim community. So we're going to be hosting a debate, and hopefully, a lot of Muslims will come, and a lot of people interested in Islam. Can I hear an amen? So this is a new new york Times best-selling author he is going to spank the spiritual truth to our muslim friend but we hope that when his heart is spiritually spanked it will then open to the gospel of christ and so i'll be introducing it i'll be presenting the gospel and then i'll also be mediating it amen having said that pakistan right now they're going to have the 101 the 201 and then they're going to put the islam book and they're going to print out about 500 of them So whenever you circle missions, that's where it goes, and we thank you for that. And we're going to prepare now to receive our tithe and offering. Before we do, this is our giving plan for this month, and we're just asking above your tithe and offering, if you could give $50 towards our building fund, you'll enable us to continue to clear debt. And if you can give $25 towards our mission fund, it allows us to change the world. So when you look at your offering envelope, it says tithe, building, and missions. If you could give to each one of those a portion of your income every month you can partner with us to change the world can i hear an amen amen would you stand up with me please as we receive the gifts that god has given you to give today we are a church that believes in a tithe belonging to the lord that means whenever i receive a paycheck and i get paid for teaching the first thing i do when i receive that paycheck is i say how much belongs to god so if I, get ta- if I get paid $900 a class to teach, what is my tithe to the Lord? $90, right? And then I can pray and I can look at what God is speaking to me. This is no bondage to anybody, but then I can pray and I can say, well, if I get paid twice a week uh, twice a month, $900, Lord, after I've given my tithe of $90, I now have uh, $810 left. Can I afford to split this up in two because I'm going to give it twice during the month because I get paid twice. Can I give $25 towards our building fund and $12 towards our mission fund? You know how I look at it? I then look at it like, do I spend $12 on iTunes? Do I spend $12 on McDonald's? Do I spend $20 on this and that? How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm just being honest with you. So when I look at that and I go, you know what? I not only can give tithe, but I can give offerings. That's to me a satisfying feeling and then a covenant that I come in with God because I'm a tither and that means I've been obedient and I'm a sower of good seed into good ground, which is an offering. And I can say to the Lord, now protect my finances. Bless my family and my children and my children's children. And I can pray those prayers of covenant blessing because I've gone after what God has said. Now, can I just share this with you? Everybody here can come into covenant blessing with God. Amen? Not just the pastor. How many want to be blessed? Is there anybody here just kind of pushing back the blessing table going, Ah, I've had enough. I'm okay. I'm blessed enough. Come on. How many know you can receive blessings even for others if you already think you have enough? You can be blessed to be a blessing. So I just pray that that's what God does in your life. There's some good news going on in the economy. We don't know how it will pan out but the gas prices are going high. It still seems like housing is struggling. My encouragement to you is always put God first. In the 80s, we had some problems, and Ronald Reagan came, and supposedly he was a source to fixing it. And You know, there's been times before that, the Great Depression, and then we came out of it during the greatest generation after World War II, the 50s, and the booming. I guess there's always an up and down in economies, is what I'm saying, but doesn't God always stay the same? And we can ask him to bless us, amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the financial blessings you've given us. And I ask you to continue to provide for us as, uh, Lord, we're faithful to you. Lord, bless us to be a blessing. Use what we have to make a difference on this planet, on this world. God, we know that we can provide for our family and, and the people in our home. But, Lord, we also want to provide for the house of God and for the foreign mission field that you've asked us to care about. And, Lord, we pray now that you will bless every person here with a job, that they can provide for their family and have more than enough, that you would protect, God, those uh, job security, God, those that have been working for a while, and that, Lord, you would give raises and promotion to those who are working hard, and that, God, you would bless our Congress and our government, from health care to budgeting to our military to the defense, all that they do, would they do it with your wisdom unto your name, God, in god we trust remembering that it's all about you and lord we also pray for the nations who when we suffer suffer even more and lord we lift up to you pakistan nigeria nepal india the philippines would you continue to use us the little we give to help them to preach the gospel to so many people that are unreached lord i put together our numbers the other day we have 300 churches and an estimated 15,000 MetroPraise members in those nations. Oh, God, if we could just give them all our books, all our materials, we know we could impact them for generations to come. Help us, Lord and as we do and as we give let it be given back to us pressed down shaken together and running over can everybody say amen amen I believe it let's say what Paul said on the count of three is our confession of faith one, two, three and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus will you come rejoicing as you give today thank you so much God is good Man this morning just bless the Lord for them thank you you guys are all rock stars we're finishing up today's series on closer to God we've gone through three weeks on how every person can draw closer to God uh, we started off with how to read your Bible has anybody here been reading their Bible amen we talked last week about how to pray and worship wasn't that a fun service we interacted in the different forms of prayer, eight forms of prayer to be exact, and seven forms of worship, 15 all together, and it's back in the, uh, it's been downloaded already to YouTube, so you can uh, check it out, but that was a good service. How many can say amen to that? Amen. And then now to conclude it is how to be a disciple. So I would like for you to open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, Probably my most favorite subject in all the world, besides just talking about loving Jesus and worshiping, other than loving Jesus, have been worshiping Him. This is my favorite thing to talk about, because discipleship incorporates everything in the Christian life. And we're so happy that you're here today. If you're new visiting with us, we want you to feel at home and to feel comfortable. Uh, We are weird and strange, but hey, kind of aren't you and isn't, you know, aren't you? Don't we all have our idiosyncrasies? But Metro Praise can be a little weird, you know? But, you know, we like being weird because there's too many normal churches out there that aren't doing anything supernatural, amen? So I just kind of make that preface. But we're good people. We love you. So come on back and keep hearing what God is teaching you. But specifically for those who have been starting the series with us, this is now the cherry on top for you. This is now the application to everything you've been learning. Because if you want to be closer to God, you need to be a disciple. When you think about Jesus and his life upon this earth, who did he spend the most amount of time with? Come on, somebody. Who did he spend the most amount of time with? Disciples, how many did he have? Come on, how many did he have? Okay, so who did Jesus spend the most amount of time with? And how many did he have? How many betrayed him? What was his name? Okay, you all good. Now if Jesus, the Son of God, who had existed forever in eternity, came down from heaven to this earth to build an organization called the church, And he believed that the most important thing he could do to spend his time doing was to build disciples. How much more important do you think it is that every single one of us make that the priority of our Christian life? I'm going to say that again. Jesus coming down from heaven to earth. He says, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to change the world generations to come. It's got to last 2,000 years before I come back. What am I gonna do, angels? What should I do? You know, let's just say he had a conversation. We know he didn't because he's God, but let's just say he did, you know. What should we do? What if one of the angels said, Hey, what we need to do is we need to do Easter egg hunts. And then what we need to do is drop Easter eggs out of helicopters at the time of Easter. <laughs> And as the the helicopter's up there dropping Easter eggs, we're going to tell everybody to come out. And then when the Easter eggs drop and the Easter bunny dance, you're going to come out and tell everybody about the kingdom of God. Jesus probably looked at that angel and go, what are you doing? How did you get up here? And then maybe another angel, you know, trying to be smart and just really thinking about it. Well, you know, Jesus, let's, you know, let's make a TV show. Let's, let's invent the technology of TV and, and let's 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 make you a televangelist. And then you'll wear a white coat. And, and then when you pray for people, you'll whip it around and, and glory, you'll talk like this, and hallelujah. Did he say, you know, in an angel, you know, did, he, did you say back to that angel, oh, that's a great idea. I'll become a televangelist. Or another person, okay. What you're going to do is, is Jesus? Is you should build a, you know, an amusement park and have carnival rides and have a beer tent. Have you ever seen a church do that? Uh, Saint, you know, Cletus or whatever. They have the carnival, the beer tent, the brat tent. How many know what I'm talking about? And so th- this is what you're going to do, Jesus. How many know if, if Metro Praise had a beer tent? Some people would be coming happy, like, oh, we got a beer tent here. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we see that churches, And oh, you know, another angel might have said, let's, let's have a concert, let's make a choir, let's do this, let's do that. Jesus, when he came, had all those options available. He, he could have started a carnival with the beer tent. He could have been a televangelist and just made himself a great speaker and just talked to thousands of people. He could have tap danced and had events. He could have rented out the Roman amphitheater and had Peter, interact you know, pretend to be Moses and they do acting skits all the time. You know, now, Peter, you're going to be Moses. John, you're going to get behind the burning bush, set it on fire. You're going to shake it. And we're going to rent out the Roman amphitheater. That's what we're going to do. you all looking at me crazy right now. You're like, I kind of like those things, Pastor. I kind of thought those things were kind of cool. It's not like they're wrong in the sense like they're going to, like, make us go to hell. I mean, if you're going to watch a movie, watch a Christian movie. If you're going to listen to music, listen to Christian music, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I guess if you're going to go anywhere to have Easter eggs dropped on you from a helicopter, praise God a church does it because they love you, okay? But when Jesus came to this earth, did he come with the fanfare? Did he come with the creative ideas? Did he come with a dog and pony show, a one-man band, when Jesus came, he found fishermen. And you've heard this story described before in a way, and I, you know, I try to make it funny because I you know, imitate them, but I just want you to understand this. Today, without the sense of humor, when he found those, when he found those, those men right there by the shore of Galilee, there's Peter and his brother Andrew. That's what that picture is representing. What he was saying is, how I'm finding you is how you're going to go find others. And he started the conversation just like that. He didn't say, do you want to come follow me and get a free pony ride and a trip to Glory Land? He said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. The deal right from the beginning with Jesus and his disciples was this. If you're going to come to follow me, you're going to learn to do what I'm doing. And so many times we can get people to come to altar calls and pray prayers, you know. And we can play the sad music and we can talk about when your grandma died, how sad life is now. And you're lonely and we'll say, if you just want a touch from Jesus, just come up here. And then you'll come up here and call out to Jesus. But that's all about you at that moment. See, Jesus didn't just come to Peter and go, I know life's hard and I just want to give you a touch to make you feel better. No, he said, Peter, life, let me tell you what it's about. You following me and you becoming a fisher of men. Well, it sounds like you're using me, Peter. Or Peter could have said to Jesus, sounds like you're using me. Sounds like I'm going to be in a pyramid scheme now. Sounds like I'm going to be doing Amway for Jesus. So what? Doesn't matter what people think about you, Peter. I am going to teach you and you're going to teach others. When those men laid down their fishing nets, that day they made a decision. I'm following Jesus and one day I will do what Jesus is doing. Is everybody listening to me? Amen. Matthew chapter 28 verse 16. This is what Jesus is said to what this is what he said to his disciples. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. How many were there? Eleven. You know why Judas at this time had already killed himself. He's out in the picture. There's eleven disciples. They go to Galilee. Where did they start with Jesus? In Galilee. Where does it end with Jesus? In Galilee. What are they now? After three years walking with Jesus, they are now disciples. Everybody say disciples. And he goes to the mountain. And then some doubted and some worshipped. Then Jesus came and said to him, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And let me just say this. It doesn't matter if you're a doubter or if you're a worshiper. If you're here today, you're getting the same command. Amen? So I don't know if I believe that yet. So what? It doesn't matter if you believe in a stop sign. You run that joker, you're getting a ticket. This is a command from God. Well, I'm still figuring it out. Well, when you figure it out, understand this is the command. Amen? All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So, who has all the authority today? Jesus. Verse 19. Therefore, go and make choir members of all the nations. Come on, I got to <laughs> preach this a little bit. You got to help me right now. Therefore, go and make televangelists. Come on, does it say, therefore, go and make Sunday morning attenders? who are just going to come in and check in at 10, and if it goes past 12, they're going to walk out on you, baby. Make some Sunday morning folks, some priesters, those that come on Christmas and Easter. Is that what he said? Therefore, go and make priests and popes and cardinals and bishops. It's it quiet when I say that. I ain't afraid to say it either. Amen? Did he say go and make popes and priests and bishops and cardinals? Did he even say go and make pastors and worship leaders and children's workers and all these things you can do in a church? He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Who is he talking to? Eleven disciples. What does he tell those eleven disciples to do? Go and make disciples. That's your priority, fellas. And and you can look at Jesus' life for three years. What was his priority? Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. Like they say, you know, in real estate, what's the three most important things? Location, location, location. What was the three most important things to Jesus? Discipleship and discipleship. When Jesus had 5,000 people, when he fed them, after he fed them, did he go, hey, man, you, you guys like the free pizza? Come on back next week, and I got some more where that came from. No, after he fed them, he said, now it's time for you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, that's gross, Jesus. We don't understand. He said, your flesh counts nothing. My spirit counts everything. Unless you become a part of me, you will die. You will die in your sin. That's what he said to them because he used that example. Oh, you come for the food? You come for the freebie? Let me explain this to you. If you don't receive salvation and follow me, it counts for nothing. Jesus knew how to preach and teach. Can I hear amen? amen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit the baptism the dipping into the water is a public sign of what you have done inwardly it's an outward expression of what Christ is doing in your heart seeing that day it was a sign that you no longer were going to the Jewish temple because if you got baptized in another religion in another way other than Judaism they wouldn't allow you to get in back to that temple so this was a public renunciation of everything in your life as a matter of fact today in many nations India is one of them um, it, not a coincidence, but just this week I was talking to an Indian brother. Uh, that One of our pastors, Pastor Jabez in India, oversees 80 churches. And he said, we have a new church and now makes 86. And he said the pastor's name. And it was like Therakin And I said, what is that? And he says, well, it's, you know, a, a, a goddess and a, and, a, and a god's name joined together because the mother wanted the goddess's name in there. And, and so basically it's, it's a Hindu pagan name. And you know what he said? He said, Pastor, when you come, I want you to baptize him and change his name. In that culture in India, they're named after pagan gods. And when many of them get saved, they don't want to be named Zeus anymore, Buddha. You know, in their language, that's what they're basically calling themselves. And so they will get rebaptized. Do you know the cost to them when they get rebaptized? Most of them will be excommunicated from their family to the, for the rest of their life. Their family now will pretend they are dead for the rest of their life. And that's what baptism, by the way, it meant to the early church. When you got baptized in the Christian faith, it meant that your Jewish family would deny you and the other pagan families, other pagan people would ostracize you because now you've made a public profession of your faith. So this little thing, when you do it as children, is incorrect. They never baptized children. And then number two, this just half-hearted baptism isn't what it was back then. That baptism meant... I'm ready to die for Jesus, change my name, kick me out the house, do what you got to do. But I would rather have God for me than everybody else against me, than have everybody for me and God against me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are triune God, there he is, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then listen, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Well, pastor, there's some commands that I don't like in the Bible. I don't know if we should talk about it anymore. Pastor, you know, this thing about homosexuality, you know, I got some cousins, some friends, some people I work with, you know, they're homosexual, and they look kind of nice, and don't they deserve love, and I mean, maybe they were born that way. The Bible says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So therefore, it's still a sin. Do we love the homosexual? Absolutely. Do we love the lesbian, the transgender? Yes, yes, yes. We don't judge you any differently than anybody else that needs to repent of sin. We give you the same call to Christ. Come to Jesus and be forgiven. Well, I was born this way. Well, I was born jacked up too. Get born again and Jesus will change you. Praise God. Well, some people say now today, well, we love each other. We're going to have sex before marriage. We love each other. Bible says to have sex outside of marriage is fornication. It's a sin. We're teaching you to obey everything. And then other people say, well, pastor, you know, nobody's perfect. Like as if that makes an excuse. When you get pulled over by the policeman for speeding, you know, 100 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone, if you look at him and go, well, nobody's perfect, police officer. Is he just going to let you go? Somebody today that's getting arrested, put in jail for beating their wife. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. I just beat my wife every now and then. Hey, nobody's perfect. My friend, get rid of your stinking thinking and be perfected in Christ today. Stop making excuses to live like the devil and be empowered to live like Jesus because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We're we're claiming to be Christians and yet we can't even live holy in our marriage, and our conduct. And that's why half the people out there think we're hypocrites anyway. It's about time that there is a church that raises up where they have the holiness of God in them. And people say, something different about you. You don't hit on me. You you know, you don't look at me like the other guys do. That's right, because I'm married, and I want to stay happily married. Amen? Oh, well, all the guys here on our job, we look at pornography on the lunch break. Not me, Jack. I live for Jesus. Well, all the girls in my job, they all go out for drinks or all the people. It doesn't matter, my friends, as the saying goes. Are you going to be a monkey say monkey do? Are you going to follow these jokers to hell? There ain't nobody in hell worth going there for, baby. I would rather go to heaven by myself than hell with you. You are not worth it. Amen? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so special. No, no, no. You ain't special enough for me to take the place of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I told my wife, you want to live for the devil, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'll tell my children, you want to live for the devil, we'll kick you out at 18. The best thing my mother did for me was kick me out at 16 when I was on drugs. Are you listening to me? We are not here to patty cake with this world. You make a decision, though none may follow, I still have decided I will follow. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, do you have to be a perfect person to start this journey with God? No, you just have to be willing to keep His commands, and then He will perfect you. Am I perfect at being a husband? No, but I've made a decision. I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm going to learn to be a better husband every day knowing that Christ in me can make me that person. Are you listening to me? Amen. Let me give you some ABCs here, some basics of discipleship. Here's some things because this is a Practical lesson today. I'm going to teach it as well as preach it. But here's some things I want you to write down. What is a disciple according to the Bible? A committed follower or student of Jesus. That's what it means. Matheteus in the Greek. The original New Testament language is Greek. And they said, matheteus, to be a student or a follower of Jesus. Now, in those days, there were disciples of many kinds of people. There were disciples of Aristotle, disciples of Socrates, disciples of the philosophers. As well as we know back into the East, there were disciples of karate and their sensei. Everybody go, Jesus is my sensei. Okay, so this idea of a master student role was all throughout the Middle East and the East. But what we are saying as disciples of Christ, DOC, somebody say DOC, baby. Come on, DOCs, what's up, doc? I'm a DOC, disciple of Christ. What it is for us is we are a disciple, a student, a follower of Jesus, we're committed to him. Number two, what is the difference between a disciple and a Christian? Because a lot of times people say, You know, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Well, in our culture today, Christian is someone who simply believes in the Christian faith. How many of you know there's somebody coming home from the clubs right now that definitely calls themselves a Christian? They were baka and all night long. They were dropping it like it's hot If you would pull them over right now with bags under their eyes And the smell of micklobe And maybe some Bacardi I don't know what they drink now You ask them right now Are you a Buddhist, a Muslim? No, man, I'm a Christian Hello? We go to Mardi Gras People got daiquiris three feet tall With, with perversion all over their head They wear these caps with women's you know stuff Hanging out on these perverted stuff Okay And they'll have the necklaces on. And it's going on. They'll be cussing. Are you a Christian? Blank, blank, right I'm a Christian. I go to church on Christmas and Easter. So when we think about today's culture saying Christian, does that really mean anything? When I say 70% of America is Christian, does that mean 70% of America keeps Jesus' commands? Does 70% of your employees on the job or friends on the job do they keep God's command 70% of your community keeps jobs uh, keep God's commands I used to do jailhouse ministry. Everybody in jail is saved, my friend. They are all saved. They all know the address of their church too. What church you go to? I go to Emmanuel Baptist First Presbyterian Church. What's the address? You know, they'll tell you on, on you know, South Side. Blah blah blah. You know, hello, somebody. It don't matter if you know the address of the church. It doesn't matter what you claim to be. You could say I've been baptized. I sing in the choir, and you can go to hell with all of that stuff. You can go to hell with a baptismal robe on. You can go to hell singing in the choir. You can go to hell being the pastor or the pastor's daughter. We just found out in our own culture, not only does it mean nothing to be a Christian, it means nothing to be a pastor. Three years ago, they found a pastor that was having homosexual love affairs with a prostitute while doing crystal meth. And he felt no problem calling himself a pastor as long as he was doing that. So when we use the word disciple, what we're trying to do is differentiate from the fakes and the phonies. What we're just trying to say is what Jesus said. We're disciples. Let me give you the word usage. When you look at the Bible, the word Christian is only found three times. The word disciple is found over 250 times. So what do you think Jesus wants you to be? Do you think Jesus just needs you to come check off on the census list? You know, when they come around and ask you, what's your religion? What's your race? Well, I'm this, I'm this. You know, I'm a Christian. Is that all Jesus is asking of you? Go into all the world and just check off your religion? He said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And he said it over 250 times. As a matter of fact, the word Christian never came out of Jesus' mouth. In the New Testament, the word Christian, Christ-like, is what that word means. Christ, I A N. I A N means like. Chicagoans, Philadelphians, all you know, just means like. You're 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 related to these people. People saw the disciples living so much like Jesus that they said, they are Christ-like. They are Christians. So Jesus never said, just go out there and you know believe in these truths just have them as your belief system no he said go out there and live and obey what i've taught you and when they did it so well they said you look just like christ come on somebody say i look like my daddy amen do i and the next thing is here: how do i become a disciple so you might be thinking to yourself man is this some real complicated thing you know we talk about our materials here but the basis of discipleship is rooted in faith in jesus christ Discipleship isn't, I'm going to work really hard and try to accomplish this and do this. It's not by works you're saved. You can't do inward renovation of your heart. You may be able to renovate your kitchen. You may be able to fix up your car or fix up your dress. You're not able to fix up your heart. This whole process is a supernatural process. So, if you're like right now going, I don't know if I can keep all these commands. I don't know if I can follow Jesus. Well, you feel like the way all of us do. And it's not in your flesh, it's through Christ Jesus. If you could save yourself, you wouldn't need it. And if the disciples could have made themselves disciples, they wouldn't have needed Jesus. Hello, somebody. Are y'all listening to me? And then lastly, do I have to? Do I have to be a disciple? I go to this other church, and all they tell me is be a member. I just be a member, and I'll get left alone. Do I have to look at your neighbor and say, yes, yes, you have to, baby. We're not doing membership here. You come for one week, shake the pastor's hand, and commit to bring some chicken to the chicken dinner. We're making disciples here. It's not membership. It's discipleship, baby. And I do, well, that's not what the other church told me. Well, that other church ain't telling you a whole lot of other things, too. Hello, somebody. We're telling you what Jesus said. He didn't say just become a member of a church. Like, we just show up here. I signed the paper. I dropped my money in the offering. Everything's okay. This discipleship stuff is for the elite. You know, it's like, I just want to be in the army. I don't want to be an army ranger. You know, I just want to be a marine. I don't want to be a Navy SEAL. It's like sometimes we look at discipleship like they're the Navy SEALs. They're the radical ones. Those are the ones who speak in tongues and witness and do life groups. No, let me tell you something, baby. Those are the normal ones. Hello, that's the normal one. You know, a lot of times when people are checking for fevers, and, and you know, to see how people are doing, they put their hand on themselves, and then they touch somebody else. Are you listening to me? And, and these people are the frozen chosen they're so cold in the spirit when they put their hand on themselves and touch you ah, they think we're on fire running a fever I ain't running a fever baby I'm just normal in the body of Christ you're the one that's become the frozen chosen hanging out in the ice cube chest the ice cube tray are y'all listening to me we didn't come here to make uh, you know people you know buy into this out of manipulation we came to teach what Jesus taught And we came to look at Jesus as the standard. Listen to me. If a TV preacher was the standard, I would be the first one swooping my hair and putting a smile on my face every time I preach if Oprah Winfrey was the standard I would be up here just interviewing all different religions telling you there's many ways to heaven but last time I checked none of them died on the cross it was Jesus Christ who took our sins was dead buried resurrected on the third day and before he went up to heaven he looked at 11 and he said you boys know this I've got the authority and the power you go out and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them and you teach them to obey everything I've commanded and I'll be with you to the end of the age. I want to know, is there any disciples today walking with Jesus? Is there anybody here fulfilling the command that he gave 2,000 years ago? The Bible says when he comes to this earth, he wants to find people doing what he said. And I've been all across this uh, country. I've been to most of uh, the major cities, to New York City, to Miami, to Houston, to, uh, to L.A., to San Francisco, to Atlanta, preaching the gospel. I've been to other countries. I've been to Nepal. I've been to India, to Mexico. And I want to tell you something, every race, tribe, language, culture, age group, it is all the same. It is all the same. Jesus Christ wants to transform you and change you and make you his disciple. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter where you've come from, your religious background, how messed up your life is. It matters not any of those things. It's do you want to follow Jesus? And in every place we go, there's always those two paths. There's always those two options that man tries to distinguish. But God said there's only one option. Yes, he said there's the road to hell and there's the road to heaven. But if you're going to heaven, there's only one road. Are you listening to me? And that is the road of discipleship. I have a video I want you to watch. Uh, unlike the other videos, it's not very comedic. It's just going to take off and keep on preaching. Can I hear an amen? And I want you just to just let it this mean video stir you to be you a
3: follower of this Thank Jesus. You. I mean, really, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does Jesus expect of us? You pray this prayer. You sign this card. You raise your hand and declare your love for Jesus. Jesus told his followers to do none of these things. None of them. Salvation is not a to-do list. Not a check-off box. Salvation is not a matter, never a matter of external reformation. Do you love Christ? See the reason why you live. One for whom your heart I'm not asking if you go to church, I'm not asking if you read your Bible, or if you pray, or if you teach, or you do this or that. Do you love Christ? Do you love Him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind? Are you willing to come to Jesus on His terms? You call yourself a follower of Christ, this is what's involved. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, then you can come follow me. Any of you who does not give up everything he has, cannot be my disciple. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Love for him, so supreme that every other love in this world is so far less that it looks like hate compared to this kind of love. Jesus called to salvation demands total surrender. There's really not a good way to soften this one. So we're just going to say it like it is, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, if we want to follow Christ, then we give up everything we have. That's the word, give up, literally means to say goodbye to, to relinquish, to abandon, to renounce. We give up everything we have. If you're a Christian according to scripture, you are dead. You're dead to yourself, you're dead to your dreams, hopes, your plans, to your ideas, what's going to happen in your life. You're dead. You've died to all of those things. You do not live based on what you desire, what you dream, what you plan, what you hope for, what you want. Those things are gone. They're gone. You're dead to them. Dead to ourself and we're alive to Christ. The life of Christ determines everything about us. Jesus has not given us options to consider. He gives us commands to obey. To abandon everything to Christ. This is a radical approach. Radical simplicity. Radical surrender. Radically different. Radical abandonment. claiming the kingdom of God. Radical change in our lives and our families and the church. This is unheard of. Revolutionary. It's a radical shift. So who will respond to this radical approach today?
1: Give it up for Jesus. Wow. I want to share with you some things about discipleship for the next few moments. I've given you the basics. Now I want to tell you some of the things about discipleship. I'm going to tell you today how to become a disciple, the cost of being a disciple, the heart of a disciple, the qualities of a disciple, the works of a disciple, and Metro Praise discipleship. Can I hear an amen? You came to be disciple this morning. Amen. Amen. Number one, we're going to talk about becoming a disciple. I'm going to go through them slowly, so just take your notes out and know that we always put these up on YouTube. Becoming a disciple, here's how you do it, two things. Number one, you believe in Jesus. Number two, you hold to his truth and you get set free. Discipleship starts with Jesus setting you free from the prison cell of your sin. How many know if I say to a sinner right now, come obey everything Jesus taught, you to obey, they cannot do it. How many know when I was a sinner, I could not obey God's commands? See, some of you think, well, I can do pretty good as a sinner. Yeah, maybe you can reform yourself in some ways. Maybe you'll stop smoking. Maybe you'll stop cursing. But you are not able to follow all of God's commands. God's commands go a lot deeper than the few little pet peeves you found in your life. Things like loving your enemy. Do you think there's any sinner in themselves that can love their enemy? That is a work of Christ. How about forgiving those who have sinned against you? That is a work of Christ. How about this, men, not lusting after women with your eyes when you see them? It is impossible. It is a work of Christ. How about patience and affliction? How many of you, when you're afflicted, the first thing that comes to your mind is being patient? But it's a command of God to be patient in affliction. It is a spiritual duty. How about this? Be thankful at all times. How many of you are always thankful? Never grumbling, never complaining. It is a God-ordained thing in your heart. So every person in here today that has not been born again, you cannot be a disciple until you first believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So this is not doing the sacraments of a church, you know, come up here, believe in this, do this, and then we send you on your way. Discipleship is a spiritual reformation of your heart. When we look at other religions, we say, oh yeah, well they pray, they do this, they do that. Those are all external things. When you look at their hearts, their hearts are still corrupt. They're still quick to be angry. They are still uh, unthankful. They're still uh, subjected to the desires of their flesh. This is what Jesus said, John eight thirty one through 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Everybody say, hold to his teachings. Thank you. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I want you to look at this today from the point of view. The devil has captured you and put you in slavery, and you are behind the bars of sin right now. Your sin keeps you behind the bars. And Jesus is outside of those bars, and he's saying, I don't want you to sin anymore. I don't want you to lust after women. I don't want you to be quick-tempered. I want you to be patient. I want you to be faithful. I want you to have self-control. He lists out, if you look at the New Testament, there's about 100 commands. He lists out these commands, and he says, obey them. And you say back to him, I can't, I'm in this jail cell, it is impossible. And then he says to you what he says to these Jews, if you'll hold on to my teaching, I will set you free. The moment you begin to say, God, I want to do those things, Will you set me free out of this jail cell so I can do those things? He will enable you to do it. We call that being born again is that experience of being set free from your sin. You are now out of the prison cell. And then sanctification is taking off the shackles off your feet and your arms and freeing you to live for God. Are you all listening to me? So disciples starts right now, discipleship starts with you believing in Jesus' teachings and Him setting you free out of that jail cell. See, we have distinguished between different phases in our Christianity. Well, you know, I'm born again, you know, I'm a Christian now, and then I'm going to become a disciple later, I'm not ready for that now. No, it's all or nothing, my friends. You either start right now in your relationship with Christ, getting out of that prison cell and walking forward with Jesus, or you're none of His. It's not a matter of not being a disciple. It's are you the disciple Jesus called you to be? Because if you're not a disciple, according to the New Testament, you're not saved. Are you listening to me? Salvation is not a work, and neither is discipleship. The discipleship lifestyle is a born-again relationship with God, determining to go where he goes, say what he says, do what he does. That's what it means to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. And so I even want to correct some of that bad theology that we've had in this church and some of the new believers, they get kind of confused with it. It's like you are a Christian, but you are not called to be a disciple. Like that's a separate thing to you. Like it's two things. It's one thing to God. It's one path of God. It's one lifestyle. Are you listening? It's one way. And Jesus sets you free to be it. So when you were born again, you were born again to be a disciple. Now, if you're not doing that, then you're not of Christ. You need to get born again, again, Bubba. Hey, I'll say it again. If you're not living for Christ and you're what we call backslidden, you need to come back to Christ. And so it's not, well, I'm going to come back to Christ and then I'll be a disciple later on. No, when you come to Christ, you become a disciple. When he called Peter and, you know, Peter and James and Andrew and Bartholomew and all those men, you know, did he say to them, well, guys, we're going to go through a couple phases here. You're going to go through this phase where you're kind of a sinner. Then you're going to go to this phase where you're a believer. And then you're going to go through this phase where you're like a a 1% disciple, then a 2%. And hopefully by the end of your life, you'll give 100% to me. No, he said to one of the men that wanted to follow him, he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. He said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me right now. You know why Jesus put him on blast like that? Because Jesus was saying, if you're going to be with me, it's all or nothing. Let's start now. But the good news is, we don't make ourselves disciples. The good news is that dead people become alive in Christ. So when we come to Him and say, I'm nothing, you're everything, the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So it's not like I'm more spiritual than you. It's not like I eat my spiritual Wheaties and that's what makes me a disciple. No, I just let Jesus open up that jail cell and set me free. Let him set you free. Stop arguing with him. Well, I don't want to leave. Well, I don't know if I can live that way. I just would rather stay in the jail cell. Stop doing that. Say what the Bible says about you. Say you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So when Christ calls you, he calls you to be a disciple. So how do you become one? Believe in him. Believe what he said. Now, if he said for you to be a disciple, you're going to jump on one leg, and then you're going to fly from here to the moon, you would say, I can't do that. But what did he tell these men who believed in him? He says, you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciple, and I'm going to set you free, and you're going to be able to live for me. So we are set free to live for Jesus. Amen? So how do we become a disciple? Believe in him. Hold to his truth and let him set us free. I didn't set myself free from drinking and smoking and cursing and all these other things that God is setting me free from. God set me free from those. Can I hear an amen? Number two, the cost of being a disciple. These are the things that Jesus taught everybody. Remember, it wasn't two different groups. Well, if you just want to be a Christian, you don't have to do this. But if you want to be the radical elite, you know, the Navy SEAL, then you got to do this. No, he said this to everybody. Everybody. This is what he said, Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his who? Disciples. Say it again. Then Jesus said to his disciples. Anyone wants to come after me? Does anybody here want to come after Jesus? Okay? So right now, we, we told you how to be a disciple. To be a disciple, you got to believe in Jesus, hold to his teachings. He sets you free. It's a spiritual transformation of your heart. You're going to be born again. God is going to set you free. So you're like, hey, I want to do that. This is what he says to you. He says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Everybody say, deny yourself. yourself. Somebody say, take up your cross and follow me. Thank you. Verse 25, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life from me will find it. What good will it be if a man gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So here's what Jesus says. If you want to follow me, the first thing you do is you stop thinking about yourself. So every excuse we make to God about following his commands, he says, stop that. So Jesus says, I want you to follow one of these commands, you know, don't look at a woman lustfully. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Jesus goes, stop that. Deny yourself. Stop talking about what you're going to do here. Start talking about what I'm going to do. Well, Jesus, I don't know if I can do that. Well, then take up your cross and die to it right now. So it says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. What did Jesus do on the cross? So what are you supposed to do with your selfish ways and your sinful ways? What are you supposed to do with those things on that cross? Die. It's not about you anymore. Well, I have so many desires. I have so many things that are outside of God's commands. Deny yourself. Put those things on the cross. And then what's the third thing? Follow Jesus. That's what Jesus taught us. See, Jesus wasn't a self-help guru. See, what self-help gurus do is instead of saying deny yourself, they say make yourself big. Make it all about yourself. Do this, do this, do this. Let me give you ten things. Tell yourself in the mirror every day you're a winner. Then number two, make every day a Friday, okay? And then number three, speak positive everywhere you go. And you just help yourself. You're just a positive PMA mental attitude person. Jesus was not a self-help guru. Jesus was a crucifier put to death of the self leader. He's come to tell you, you can't do this. Tony Little, die to yourself. Hello, somebody, all these self-help experts, yes, they kind of beat around the bush, and maybe they'll help you get more customers and more clients, and you may all say, well, some of this stuff helps. It will not help you dog paddle to heaven, my friends. You're not going to dog paddle your way up to heaven on some self-help ladder. Well, I'm just climbing up the ladder of self-help to get to heaven. My friends, you can't even take one step towards God without renouncing everything you are. Discipleship is saying I am nothing You are everything And in that relationship of denial Dying to self and following Jesus Guess who begins to shine in your life Guess who begins to do miracles in your life Guess who you begin to allow to move in your life God And God's a pretty good disciple maker God is pretty good I think he's more than pretty good God is awesome at changing lives we mess up our low. I'm a self-made man. You're a self-made mess, okay? We make ourselves a mess, and then we come to God and we're like, God, you just tell me how to clean this up. You know, it's like baby Bethany, you know, taking a Picasso painting, you know, ripping it apart, and then her saying, Well, Pastor, uh, I mean, Dad, now you just help me, you know, put back this Picasso. It's impossible. We mess up our lives and we come to God and we're like, God, now you just tell me how to fix myself. It's impossible. You don't fix yourself. The first thing you do with yourself is you deny yourself. Stop talking about how you're going to fix things. And then number two, all your excuses, all your sins, all the things that you have that hold you back, put it on the cross, put some gasoline on there, wipe on, set that thing on fire. Look at your neighbor and go, it's just my flesh sizzling, baby. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's just my attitude. Come on, I have put some attitude on the Barbie tonight. You got to make a decision. Number one, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's all about him. I will be born again. I will hold on to his truth. Do I always do that perfectly? No. But when I do, I repent and get back on track. And then what do I do to cost to decide today? I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to try it God's way. Now, I'm not these self-help people's ways. I'm going to try it God's way. I'm going to admit that I'm the biggest problem to myself. I'm going to deny myself my thoughts, my ideas, my ways of being a father, my ways of being a husband. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, we all like the story of footprints in the sand. You know, it talks about, oh, Dito, you know, your little problems in life. Oh, you follow Jesus. How about following Jesus through the good things of your life, your family? How about you follow Jesus? God, how am I supposed to be a father? I'm going to deny myself on this one because I maybe didn't see all the great examples in my life. I kind of lose my temper sometimes. So, God, you just show me how to be a father today. I'm going to walk in your steps. Everything in life is like that. Number three, the heart of a disciple. So you're saying, now, you know, what, what's the heart here? What's, what's supposed to be on the inside of me? Well, the first thing is you're supposed to love God more than anything else. The Bible says to love, in Luke 10, 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Bible is asking you to love him. Now, some of us, we don't have affection towards God. We think about God like Martin Luther King Jr. or, or some type of a president. Like, Yeah, like God did some cool things. Like Jesus, yeah, he's pretty cool. But we don't feel affection towards him. It's not like I wake up in the morning and start crying for Martin Luther King Jr. Like, oh, I just wish he was here with me now. I wish he would just walk with me and tell me I had a dream one more time. Are you listening to me? But I wake up in the morning and I feel an affection towards God. And I just say, God, I long for you to be here. I just want to hear your voice and hear you speak to me, God. Why? Because there's an affection in my heart. God gave you a will to decide what you will do with your emotions and your affections. Nobody has to force you to be a Cubs fan. And Cubs fans are some of the weirdest people I've ever met. You know, you're supposed to have a winning team. You're supposed to like it, what, you know, what, what your team does on the field. You know what I'm saying? And we got, it, we got people liking a team that don't ever win. But, but, but for some reason, you just keep on liking them. And, and that's your affection. And nobody forces you to do that. Nobody forces you to come to church wearing a Cubs shirt like a weirdie. (laughs) Nobody forces you to do that. By the way, I am a Cubs fan by default. I live on the north side. I'm certainly not a Sox fan, you know, but, you know, we, we love sports. You know, nobody, nobody forces me to find desire in wakeboarding. Some of you love to cook. Some of you love to eat. You know what I'm saying? Some of you love to walk. Some of you love to run. Joggers are the craziest people to me in the planet. You just run and run and run for no reason. You know, I only run if there's somebody coming after me or I'm running to something. Like I got to get in line real fast and go to the bathroom. People just go out and just run. They look, you look at them while they're running. and They look like they're having a terrible time. Ah, you know, like, dude, if that's what that—that's the experience you're getting out of this, I don't want anything to do with that, you know? Now, volleyball players, they look like they're having fun. You know, so I like volleyball. And then so nobody tells you how to be affectionate. Your free will with your personality, your mind, soul, and your strength, you determine your affections in life. Nobody forces you to do those things. Well, a disciple falls in love with Jesus willingly. Begins to have affection for Jesus. Finds things in the character of God that they want to emulate. So they long for it and they admire it. God is admirable to me. He is my hero. I mean, I look up to him. Are you guys with me? I want to talk to him. And then number two, they desire God above all else. Here's the scripture that was mentioned in the video, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, his wife, and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Now, this is one of those scriptures where people think, you know, God, you're just being mean. You're telling me to hate people so I can love you. You know, that would be like Bethany saying, you know, you know, if you're going to really love me, Dad, you have to hate Han on Lucas. But let me tell you why God is saying this. And some of you have heard the example before. You know, I go rock climbing, and rock climbing is going up a vertical hill. And you climb, and it's hard, and it's difficult. And if I tried to climb with my wife on my back, I could not do it, let alone my wife and my three kids, let alone then you as my friends. It's an individual climb. Are you listening to me? And what the heart of a person has to say is individually, God, you are my foremost priority in this life. Everybody else will come through you, and God, you will help my wife climb in her life. You will help my children climb the wall of their life. Every one of them, the best thing I can do for them is to teach them to love God, because if they put me above God, they will not be able to climb their mountain to reach the peak that God has for them. And so what he was saying is here, if you love me less than you love your father and your mother, there is a problem. So we should love God so much that in comparison to other things it is like hate because we say no I cannot give you that place of my heart I can't worship you I can't worship my wife I can't worship my children only God is worthy of worship and by doing those things we become the greatest parents the greatest husbands and wives the greatest children I mean it's the Bible that says obey your parents children so it will go well with you in life amen Come on, somebody. Let's keep going. The qualities of a disciple. Somebody say the qualities. Thank you. Now here are four things that you will see in every disciple's life. Number one, they're teachable. Second Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says, hear what I've, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, you know what I've taught you, Timothy? Now teach others. So disciples are teachable. They say, teach me. If you come to church with a know-it-all spirit, you're going to know what I'm already thinking. And I'm thinking you need to hit the door. You know what I'm saying? So if you know it all and you come here, then you already know what I'm thinking. It's time for you to hit the road, Jack, and don't look back. Because we're not playing here with people who know it all. I'm one of the biggest students in our church always reading. I have over 50 books that I've already bought uh, on my iPad and I've only had it uh, 12, 14 months. That means I buy more than one or two books a month by other Christian leaders. My wife will tell you I always have it in the home. You know, audio uh, teachings and all these different leaders. I have links on our page of our website of over uh, 50 links from different websites for you to learn from on the internet. Disciples are teachable. Amen? Amen. Number two, they're hungry for God. John 6, through 69 says that Peter cried out to God when Jesus asked him, Do you want to leave me, Peter? A lot of people are leaving. Things are getting tough. And Peter cried out to God and says, You are the Holy One. I believe you have the words of life. There's no other place I can go. Sometimes I meet people as they come to Metro Praise, and they'll be a disciple, and then they'll get into their little pity-patty party. You know, I mean, I've been coming here for a year. I go to church, you know, twice a week, a total of eight hours, you know, and it's so much, and then I don't feel God like I used to, you know. I just feel like like I've already gone on a spiritual treasure chest hunt, and I found the treasure, and I don't need to be on this anymore. And so I'm just going to go somewhere I can show up at church. And they act like their life is, like, so difficult and that they've climbed to the mountaintop of spirituality. They've already met the Zen Buddhas of Christianity. They know it all. They've fine wine tasted all the things of God And now they can just ease up a little bit Let me tell you something my friend You don't even have a thimble full of the ocean of God yet Are you listening to me? You don't even have a little pin cap of the glory of God of compared to the ocean Just go to Lake Michigan today Go in there and dip in your finger and get your finger a little wet And tell yourself this is as much of God as I have Compared to all the water out there When I see people losing their hunger, their thirst for God, all it is is yourself has gotten off that cross and you're making life about you, your dreams, your life. That's why church is boring is because you're boring. All you want to do is just make money, have your little family, and then you lose your concept of who God is. The Bible talks about prophets who spent their whole life studying God's word, knowing God. The moment they would see God would fall on their face and say, I'm not even worthy of you being here. And they would talk about their experience the rest of their life. Just one moment with God is worth all the other moments by yourself together. In a day in his house, is worth a thousand elsewhere. Praise God. Number three, you're a servant. You're humble. People who say, I'm not supposed to serve. I don't need to help out. I just came to be a consumer. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. I just want you to preach to me, pastor. And just just tell me something good so I can walk back out that door. I don't want to serve. I don't want to clean. I don't want to come early, stay late. You're not a disciple. You're a consumer. You thought this was Kmart. You thought this was came or you thought I was your waiter here today. You thought oh, my job was just to come to your table and get you a little water or some lemon on the side. No, Jack, this is basic training. I am your drill sergeant. My job is to teach you how to get out there and whoop the devil and stop letting him pimp slap you and your family all throughout life. I'm not here to show up with a white, you know, little thing hanging over my... What can we do for you today? Well, Pastor, you know, it's getting close to 12. We'd like you to wrap it up. You know, worship was a little long today. I got a little disconnected. And then, you know, sometimes a little cold in here. I like the temperature to be around 32.5. Let me tell you something, man. You showed up at basic camp when you came here. Ooh rah! Somebody say, ooh rah! And you're here to serve. And I'm supposed to be the greatest servant here. And I've come to lay down my life. We've come to lay down our life for Jesus. I don't go out to Bodequa Fest so they can all say, Whippy Joe's here. Pastor Joe's going to preach to us now. No, I come out there to be ridiculed, to be mocked, for people to eat our rice and then curse out our God, for children to threaten us and tell us all these things that they're going to do to us. I go out there to suffer for Christ so that I can say to this spoiled, rotten city, we have served you, we have loved you, and we have come out here to make it about Jesus in your life. Now, don't y'all get scared. We ain't scared of those kids, amen? They're all getting upset. Who are you to tell me I'm going to hell? You know what? We tell them as it T.I. is, baby, as it is. It's tight, but it's right, amen. And I've seen more gangbangers come to the Lord than I have yuppies, amen? Yuppies are the most jacked up people around. I'll just tell you that right now. You all looking at me like I'm one. I'm not one. I'm more like you. I'm more like some of y'all out there, like the there. Come on, let me let me fit in. Accountable. Somebody say accountable. 1 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12 says, hey, I'm checking up on you guys, and I want to know how you're doing. So disciples are teachable. They let people teach them. They're hungry for God. They're not just, you know, just taking a little appetizer. They want what God has for them. They're a servant. They're humble, and then they're accountable. It's okay to ask a disciple how you've been living. I remember hanging out with a pastor, and I said, when, when was the last time you looked at pornography? You know, it was just him and I. And he said, I'm not telling you. And I go, oh, man, it was that recent, huh? <laughs> now You're like, who are you to ask me? I'm your friend. I want to know. Hello, there's nothing wrong with us asking you that, gentleman, Well, I don't want nobody up in my business. Well, there's 10 churches down the road that don't want to get up in your business either. You can find one right now. And you will be just as jacked up in your business as you've been your whole life. Just because you get away from the light and live in darkness, it doesn't mean your zits go away. Well, that light—I just don't. You know, this light makes me have zits. Just turn down the lights. You can all see my zits now. If we all lived in darkness, it don't make you an Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Lopez. Hello, you can deceive yourself. Well, I look like Brad Pitt. You know, I look like Angela. Oh, your headshot on Facebook. You know, just get the right poke, You know, sucking in up from the top. You know, come on, somebody, just make yourself look good. You can take that picture however you want. You can turn off the lights, go to the club, and call yourself Jennifer Lopez. But you know who you are. Amen. Well, I don't like that church. That church makes me see all my zits. I'm, no, we're not here to talk about your zits. We're here to pop those zits and get you some acne cream, baby, and get you some silky spiritual skin. Amen. Look at your neighbors. and say, I told you he was crazy. Praise God. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. It says here, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. My example isn't the TV preacher or another guy in town, and your example is not even me or the person sitting next to you. Our example is Jesus. That's what disciples do, amen? And then lastly, here are the works of a disciple. When you got Jesus on the inside of you, you've been set free. You love him with all your heart. You're going after God. You're teachable. You're humble. You're a servant. You're hungry for God. You're going to want to do these things. Number one, you're going to want to build his church on the kingdom, in the kingdom here. You're going to want to go out and make other disciples because you care about what Jesus cares about. Matthew 16, 18, he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Number two, you're going to defend the faith. 1 Peter 3:15 says, Give an answer to those who question the hope that's within you. We're not threatened by your biology class today. We're not turned away from atheists or Muslims. We run to the battlefield, amen? We're having a debate here Thursday because we're not ashamed to tell people what we believe. And we know that Islam is persecuting the rest of the world right now. In America, we have the free. And you would be shocked And how many people from Pakistan and India say to us, we applaud your courage because here you make the videos. Here you give us the information that we can show the others around the world. Amen. So we're not ashamed to defend our faith. We do it in the land of liberty as long as we can. And Jesus did it. Paul did it. Amen. And when you do it, you don't have to call names and get upset with people. But if people say, well, you you know, you, you tongue talkers, you're crazy. Study why we speak in tongues and give them an answer. Amen? Oh, well, you guys lay hands on people to be healed. Study why we lay hands on people. You guys give your money to the church. You're so dumb. Study why we give our money to the church. Amen? Number three, operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Disciples are full of God's power. Some of the greatest people who have ever walked the planet next to Jesus. We're not Bible college students. We're not pastors or scholars. Ordinary people. Carlos Anacondia of Argentina in the 70s was a businessman. He made he made um. Uh, Parts for cars in a factory. He went to a small church in Buenos Aires. He heard about the gospel. He got so excited. He gave his heart to Jesus. A few months later, he went to his pastor. They had a church of about 20 people. He said, Pastor, if I pay for a tent, can we start a campagna here in the backyard of our church? I want more people to hear about this. He started that tent crusade as a businessman, flipping open his Bible on his way home from work to get a scripture so he could preach there. Those crusades ended up... filling up the soccer stadiums of Buenos Aires over a hundred thousand people gave their life to Jesus and it's known as the Argentine Revival He was just a businessman who said, I want to be used by God to change the world I live in. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber. He just went to his church and he would help out. And then one day they said, will you start teaching the Sunday schools and start helping others out? And he said, yes, I'll help out. And there was somebody that was sick and he prayed for them to get healed. And then they got healed. And then he prayed for another. They got healed. As a plumber, he ended up being used over Europe and all of America as one of the great healing revivalists of the 1900s. His name was Smith Wigglesworth, a plumber. Are you listening to me? D.L. Moody out there at the Moody College was a shoe salesman that just wanted to reach the troubled kids of the lakefront. That's where the poor used to live. And he went out there and let God use him without a Bible college degree and, and miss uh, speaking English, didn't speak it very clear. He became one of the best orators, one of the most famous gospel preachers, and probably the greatest testament of Christianity. In Chicago a shoe salesman a businessman and a plumber why because they had the power of the Holy Spirit and lastly what does a disciple do they make other disciples you just can't sit there and just hold it all in you've got to make a difference can I hear amen and that's where we started is where we end therefore go and make disciples of all nations band would you come baptizing them in the name of the father of the son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always. What, what can I summarize what Jesus taught us? He taught us to become a disciple by believing in him, holding to his teachings, Let him set us free. He wants us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. He's asked us to love him above all else. And he's told us that these are the things that we'll be successful in for years. To be like, like what made Peter successful as a disciple and what made Judas fail? Is because Peter, he was teachable. He was able to stay hungry for God. He was able to believe that God had a plan for his life. He was a servant and he was accountable. And then lastly, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build God's kingdom here. And I love my dad, a successful businessman his whole life. He didn't get ordained as a minister until after he retired. Now he's on staff at his church. This was the principle he would teach all the businessmen that worked with him. And many businessmen look up to my father. He said, if you care about God's business, he'll care about you. That's why I'm a preacher today. It's because of my father's example. Defend the faith. Stand up for what you believe in in this culture. Don't let people push you around. Do you know that 70% of our teenagers who go to secular universities lose their faith in God? That means seven out of ten people who go to universities come out not being a Christian. we got to teach them how to believe, operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Don't you think God still needs to heal the sick, change lives, and lastly, make new disciples? Would you stand with me, please, today? I want to show you how this applies to you. This is how Metro Praise makes disciples. Is it the only way? Absolutely not. Is it the best way? Hmm, Probably no, I'm just kidding. This is what God told us to do. He told us to love him and to love people. And he gave us a strategy, and you heard it in the announcements, but today's message was really about that, to connect you to that cross, to mentor you with that cross, to send you out. Why? Because Jesus commanded it. Here's a way in closing I want you to look at. It. I've never showed this before, but I show it to the staff. I, you know, And, I, and we, we talk about it all the time. But I want you to be able to get it. When you come to the Sunday morning, it's like you're just in the crowd. And Jesus always had crowds around him. That doesn't mean you're a disciple. We appreciate you here. But it doesn't mean you're a disciple. Sunday morning is the crowd. The community is the life group. It's like you're stepping out of this crowd where nobody really knows you into a community where people know you. that's my community these are my people and we call that the connect stage so where do we try to connect you to the cross through our services and our life groups and so when you already come to a service then we say hey connect to the life group because that's even better as cool as the band was here and as good as I preached life groups are better than Sundays I believe that because people know your name in life groups they pray for you individually can I hear an amen they have free food there if that doesn't just settle it right they have free food The next thing is mentor. Can everybody say mentor? You see, then you move to the 101 discipleship class, and you say, hey, can somebody train me up here? That's when we consider you a part of the congregation. You know why? Because I get reports on you every week. I know you by name. I go, oh, great. They started the 101. That's awesome. I'm going to start praying for them. See, you've gone from the crowd just being a part of the community to now you're in the congregation, man. We we know about you now. We don't share your business. We're not gossip. You should know that about us by now. But we're like, we care about you. We, we're, we're, we're counting you. We're tracking with you. We're watching you like a trainer to see you spiritually grow. And then the next phase of that is the 201 class. And that's when you get committed. That's when you're like, hey, I'm not just in the crowd anymore, and I love these life groups. And I've gone through my 101, but I'm ready to dig down deep and commit to this thing. I've prayed. I've gone to other churches. You know, I, I feel this is where I'm supposed to be, and I want to make a difference here. Metro Praise is not for everybody, but for everybody. This is what they're supposed to do. Who's called here? So, for everybody who's called here, this is where they get committed to. And then when you graduate that, you get to the core, which we call sending, and you are an elder or a deacon. An elder is a teaching leader. That means you're going to be out in front, you're going to do things where people are going to say, I'm learning to be taught by you. And a deacon is a serving leader. And it doesn't matter what your giftings are you can always be one of those two in this church so what we're asking everybody to do is to come from the crowd and get a part of the core to be connected mentor and send because what did jesus do after he connected with peter and spent three years with peter what did he tell him Now go out and make other disciples. That's what we want to do with you here. We want to connect you to Jesus. We want to train you up with Jesus. We don't want you to feel like you don't know how to use the M16. Blowing people away. We want you to become a sharpshooter, Pow, pow, knocking off demons. Amen. Come on, even doing some drive-bys every now and then. Lighting up the block for Jesus. You know what we call drive-bys is our one-on-one witnessing. Just stop. Let's go witnessing right here wild west baby the crowd we love you the community we know you the congregation we're committed to growing with you the committed we're partnering with you in the core we are you you are us who is metro praise metro praise is that core because they're the ones that set up everything you do here And this is not a click. We want you to join. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now it's your turn. The question is, do you want to be a disciple? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this service. Lord, I ask you to show us in our hearts where we need to change. Altar workers, would you come, please? Would you just search your heart in these few moments before we close out today? Just a few moments. Before we close out, we're going to close out with prayer, and these altar workers will be here to pray with you. But first, I want you just to search your heart and ask yourself, how are you doing? Are you a disciple? Are you counting the cost? Are you hungry for God? Are you doing the work that he asked you to do? If not, if those are any areas in your life that the Lord spoke to you, convicted you, when we get ready to dismiss, we want you to come up here today as other disciples so we can pray with you. For some of those who have already been with us for a season and maybe you're tired, maybe you're getting tempted to quit. Let us pray for you today to encourage you, to infuse you with power. Maybe some of you are still praying if Metro praises your church, but today you're saying, man, I want to go for it. Let us encourage you today with prayer. Let's close out right now, and then we'll bring you up, those who want to come. Father, I thank you today for this wonderful service. I thank you today for the crowd that came. But Lord, I pray you bring them to the community, to the congregation, to the committed to be your core. I pray you connect them to the cross, to teach them and mentor them with the cross, to send them out into this world with the cross. God, do miracles in this house, in and through us. If you could use Peter, I know you can use me. If you can use Mary and Martha, I know you can use others. God, we are not like Judas who quit on you like Peter, though we make mistakes, though we fall down sometimes, we're committed to you God Lord bless this church let it be a house of disciples that make disciples in Jesus name, can everybody say amen, would you bless the Lord as you do this morning God bless you we dismiss you, if you want prayer come forward and we'll pray with you now for anything if you need it we're going to worship would you come for the rest of you will see you at community at life groups